Do you love Jesus? And how do you know if you love Jesus? Whether you keep his commandments. And how do you know if you keep his commandments? If you love others the way Jesus loves you. So the question boils down to this. Do you love other people? Are you willing to be inconvenienced by them? Are you frank with them about the truth as they're ready to hear it? Are you easy to approach when others have a complaint? Or are you prickly, standoffish, or defensive? Are you quick to forgive? Are you quick to repent? Are you looking for ways that you can serve? If not, according to this passage, you don't love Jesus. Because if you love him, you will keep his commandments to love others. And if you give more of your love rather to Jesus, if you give your love to grades, to your reputation, to your career, to your comfort, to your security, to whatever, there's still hope. Because as you trust in Jesus, he still loves you and he promises you help. One who will help you to do what you can't do for yourself. And so here he offers help in verses 16 and 17. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The Father will send you the spirit of truth who will be your helper forever. And he says that not everyone gets this help. In verse 17, the world cannot receive, the world neither sees him nor knows him, but you get this help because you know him. And the helper It's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, whom Jesus sends to be with us and to help us do what we cannot do. And with this help from the Holy Spirit comes a degree of assurance. And so look at the assurance in verses 18 through 21. Letter B is the assurance. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You see, Jesus knows that they can't love each other the way they should. And though they can't, he won't disown them. He won't leave them to themselves. He will not leave them as orphans. And it's the same for us. He says in verse 19, just a little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. And because I live, you will live. Because your identity is bound up in my identity and your future is bound up in my future. And that's why you're, I won't leave you as orphans. The helper will come and will help you. And you will know in verse 20, on that day that I'm in my father and you in me and I in you. We're all with each other. We're on the same team. We're in this together. And then in 21, he repeats the basic idea. Whoever keeps, has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. And then there's this cycle. The one who loves me is loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So you see, because Jesus loves us, we love him and then the father loves us and then Jesus loves us and then we love him back and it spirals out of control. It's the love spiral. (laughs) And then you get more of Jesus and he shows himself. He manifests himself to you more and more and more. What is the point of this section? The point is this. You can't do what Jesus expects you to do. You'll never love each other as you ought. You'll never love Jesus as you ought. But Jesus comes to us and loves us anyway 
so that we'll love him and then he loves us even more until it gets out of control. You will live just as certainly as Jesus lives. They don't realize it yet, but he's going to die and come back from the dead, never to die again. And as he lives, they will live and we live. And because of his life, his resurrection power and the help of his Holy Spirit sent to us, he empowers us to love like he loves and he will not leave us as orphans. Now, I know what it's like to leave someone as an orphan. Because when we went to Uganda to adopt our precious sons, the hardest day for me was the day that I had to leave and say goodbye. Because of my work, I had to come back to the United States. We had not finalized the adoption yet. The judge had not granted us guardianship of these boys yet. I knew that I loved them as my sons, but I was powerless to make anything happen. And I had to leave and get in a a car that would drive me to the airport, get on the plane and fly back home. And I didn't know if I was ever going to see them again. And Erin was there and she stayed for an extra six weeks to finish out the, the Ugandan side of the adoption. And all I could say was, well, Erin, I'm pretty sure I'll see you again someday. You'll come to me, come back. But... Boys, I I love you, and I hope I get to see you again, but I just don't know. And it was heartbreaking, but you see, Jesus is not like me because I was powerless to make anything happen out of my own power. But Jesus says, I will never do that to you. I will make this happen, and nobody will stop it. You will be my children. You will love me. I will love you. The Father will love you. The world will know of our love. And this will happen. You must love others. But you don't have to do it yourself. You have the help of God's Holy Spirit. That's the first point, that true love keeps Jesus' commandments to love others. He goes on, second, to say that true love keeps Jesus' word. He'll say this in in verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Now, this is not just a repetition. Keeping Jesus' word involves much more than keeping his commandments. He already talked about keeping his commandments. He's now moving on to something more than that. Keeping his word... It involves not only keeping his commandments, but it involves guarding Jesus' identity. So keeping his word means that you understand and you receive everything that Jesus has said, particularly what he has said about himself. Judas, in verse 22, he asks, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? In other words, how are we any different from the rest of the world that we will see you and they won't? And that's when Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Word, the word word is an important word among all the words in the Gospel of John. Do you remember how important the word word is? Remember how the book starts out? Chapter 1, 
In the beginning, very first words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then later in chapter 1, verse 9, John said this, The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He's talking about the distinction between the world and Jesus' disciples. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He made his home with us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, the point that John has been making through his whole gospel so far is that the Word, who was God, came to the world, and the world did not recognize him, the world did not receive him. But those who did receive him became God's children, and the Father loves them. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. His home is right here with us. Just as he said in chapter one, he's saying it again here in 14. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. In other words, he will receive me. He will know who I am and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. So keeping Jesus word means more than obeying him. It at least means that, but it also means that you receive his self-disclosed identity. It means that you know who Jesus is, that Jesus is one with the Father. As Jesus says in verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. He always goes back to his unity with the Father. I am one with the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you hear me, you have heard the Father. If you receive my word, you've received the Father's word. And so keeping Jesus' word means that we understand that. And as you understand who Jesus is, that he is the word of God made flesh, that will change who you are. And you will go from being an enemy of God to being a child of God loved by your heavenly Father. How does this apply? We must remind ourselves and each other often of who Jesus is. Because we keep his word by receiving him as the word, as the revelation of God. We have beheld the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, and his glory is full of grace and truth. What prevents us from keeping his word? What prevents us from remembering who Jesus is? For me, it's usually because I'm too focused on who I am or who I want to be that I stop remembering who Jesus is and I start blaming him for all my problems. And as he did with the previous point, Jesus now offers help. So sub-point A, he offers help in verses 25 and 26. He says that, I've spoken these things to you while I'm still with you, so I'm helping you by telling you about this. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit, the Helper, will teach you 
and will remind you of everything that Jesus has said. So do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Many people in our day get this wrong about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with Jesus. If the Spirit of God, sent by God, is present in your life and in our church, then we will talk about Jesus all the time. And if we don't talk about Jesus, then that's not coming from the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit reminds us of all that Jesus said. It reminds us of who Jesus is so we can love him and receive him. This is why we're always talking about Jesus. We talk about Jesus in our sermons. We talk about him in our small groups, in our growth groups at home. We're talking about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're saying he is God. He is God. He is God. He is man. He is man. He is man. He is the priest. Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus is the temple. He is the prophet. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is your savior. He's the only one that can save you. I just said those things by the spirit of God. (laughs) Praise God for Jesus. We have help by his spirit to focus on Jesus, to keep his word. And we not only have help, but Jesus gives assurance. He gives us assurance in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. You see, Jesus leaves his peace with you and he gives his peace to you. If you love Jesus and you're focused on him and who he is, then God is not against you anymore. You see, the peace that Jesus is talking about here is your reconciliation with God. And you will remember that God is not against you only if you remember who Jesus is. That Jesus is God who became man, who died for your sin and took your place and gave you his righteousness so you could be accepted by God. And then you know God is not against me. As you keep Jesus' word, as you remember who he is, then your heart won't be troubled and it won't be afraid. You see, that's where he ends in verse 27. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Is your heart troubled or afraid? Do you struggle with the tough things you're going through in life? Do you fear for the future? Do you fear about things that feel out of control or things that you just don't know what's going to happen? As your heart is troubled or afraid, ask the Spirit of God to remind you of who Jesus is. Ask him to help you to keep his word. Because as you do, you will know his peace that Jesus left with you. And this peace, to be clear, it's not a subjective, I feel comfortable and happy kind of a peace. It's an objective God is no longer fighting against me kind of peace. That's the peace that Jesus will give you. And that peace frees you to have peace with other people. And you can love them even though they hurt you because you have nothing left to protect. You have nothing left to prove. You have peace with God. So true love keeps Jesus' word. True love knows who Jesus is. 
Third, true love delights in the Father. Here's the third part where Jesus goes. Verse 28, you heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. So Jesus says, if you love me, you will rejoice that I'm leaving. And it's not because you know I'm coming back, although that's true. That's not the thing you rejoice in. You rejoice in the Father because I'm going to the Father and the Father is greater than I. You see, Jesus' mission is to point us to the Father. This is the reason why he came to earth. Back in chapter 1, verse 18, John said, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So Jesus came to make God the Father known to us. And you can know God as your Father. Jesus draws your attention to the Father that you may delight in the Father, the God of all creation. In verse 30, Jesus says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. Don't get too distracted by Satan. He is real. He is present. The ruler of this world, he is, he is alive and he is active. But don't let him distract you because he has no claim on Jesus. When Jesus makes you right with the Father, Satan can make no accusations against you. His accusations fall to the ground. Your love, your attention can be on the Father. How does this apply? Does your love for Jesus cause you to rejoice in the Father? Because you see, in our day, it's, it's pretty hip to be spiritual. You can talk to, to anybody around town. You walk down the street, you find people who are spiritual. People who are into spirituality. There are people all around us who have a God with no Jesus. Just think Oprah Winfrey. You know, there's God all over the place, but there's no Jesus. And that's not the true God. And there are people all around us who have a Jesus with no God. Think of those who hold Jesus up as a good example, who's full of love for humanity and goodwill to men, and we can be like that. But there's no regard for our sin against the Father, our need to repent for our sin, our need to live godly lives to the glory of God the Father. You see, true love for Jesus will always delight in the Father because Jesus came to reconcile sinners with God the Father. False love delights in spirituality, sentimentality, religious activity, goodwill, all these kinds of things. Even some good things. They're not all bad things. But there's a difference between true love and false love. Again, Jesus provides help here. Moving on to the help. In verse 29, he says, And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. See, you see, Jesus speaks now so they'll understand when it comes. So don't be shaken. True love for God is hard. Difficult times are coming. And I'm telling you what to expect now so that you're not shaken when the hard times come. Don't expect true love 
to make you feel good. It might make you feel good at times, but it won't always make you feel good. And true love is not the same thing as feeling good. So that's the help, is that Jesus is telling us in advance what to expect. But he also gives assurance. Verse 31, here's where he ends this section. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. You see, your assurance, as I've said before, is to remember who Jesus is. If you struggle with loving God by obeying his commands, remember, hear what Jesus said. I do as the Father has commanded me. You see, if you struggle with obeying God's commands, just remember that Jesus didn't struggle with that. Jesus did it. Jesus obeyed everything God told him to do. And if you just, if you struggle with loving the Father, if that's hard for you and you'd wonder where the love is and it's hard and it's, it's something you have to wrestle with, then remember this. Jesus said, I want the world to know that I love the Father. So if you struggle with loving the Father, that's okay because Jesus didn't struggle with that. Jesus loved the Father. And he did it for you. He obeyed all the commands and he loved the Father perfectly. And the whole world is to know this. And you are accepted before God, not because you obeyed the commands, not because you remembered who Jesus is, not because you loved the Father, but because Jesus obeyed the commands. Jesus tells the world who he is. Jesus loves the Father. That's the grounds of your acceptance before God. Jesus' disciples are about to go through a dark time. Jesus, in the next few chapters, he will be arrested and executed, and they are going to wonder where everything went wrong. What happened? And so what he does here to prepare them is he takes them back to the basics of his mission. To strengthen them for the days ahead, to remind them of the mission, and to promise to help them when they struggle. Jesus identifies three evidences of true love. Who are those who love Jesus? It's those who keep his commandments to love others. It's those who keep his word and receive who Jesus is and guard and protect his identity and the message of his identity. And it's those who delight in the Father because they now have peace with him. You see, the point of all of this is not to give you something to congratulate yourself over. And look how great my love is. But it's to show you how much you need his help. Because only one person ever had true Christian love. And that person was Jesus. Do you have Jesus? Have you found such true love? John will mention this again in his letter, 1 John, in chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, he says this, This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So this is the promise. Do you have the Son? Have you found your true love. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for the promise of help by your Holy Spirit. 
Lord, please help us to know your love for us. Our only hope is Jesus, that Jesus has kept the commandments, that Jesus has shown us his identity as God, and Jesus delights in you, Father. Lord, please help us to become more like him and so image his true love to the world around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.